Section 48 of Report of the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, the Warren Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Report of the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, the Warren Commission Report by the president's commission on the assassination of president kennedy chapter eight the protection of the president part four the motorcade in dallas rigorous security precautions had been arranged at love field with the local law enforcement authorities by agents sorrels and lawson these precautions included reserving a ceremonial area for the presidential party stationing police on the rooftops of all buildings overlooking the reception area, and detailing police in civilian clothes to be scattered throughout the sizable crowd. When President and Mrs. Kennedy shook hands with members of the public along the fences surrounding the reception area, they were closely guarded by Secret Service agents who responded to the unplanned event with dispatch. As described in Chapter 2, the president directed that his car stop on two occasions during the motorcade so that he could greet members of the public. At these stops, agents from the presidential follow-up car stood between the president and the public, and on one occasion, Agent Kellerman left the front seat of the president's car to take a similar position. The commission regards such impromptu stops as presenting an unnecessary danger but finds that the Secret Service agents did all that could have been done to take protective measures. The Presidential Limousine The limousine used by President Kennedy in Dallas was a convertible with a detachable, rigid plastic bubble top which was neither bulletproof nor bullet-resistant. The last presidential vehicle with any protection against small arms fire left the White House in 1953. It was not then replaced because the state of the art did not permit the development of a bulletproof top of sufficiently light weight to permit its removal on those occasions when the President wished to ride in an open car. The Secret Service believed that it was very doubtful that any President would ride regularly in a vehicle with a fixed top, even though transparent. Since the assassination, the Secret Service, with the assistance of other federal agencies and of private industry, has developed a vehicle for the better protection of the President. Access to Passenger Compartment of Presidential Car On occasion, the Secret Service has been permitted to have an agent riding in the passenger compartment with the President. Presidents have made it clear, however, that they did not favor this or any other arrangement which interferes with the privacy of the President and his guests. The Secret Service has therefore suggested this practice only on extraordinary occasions. Without attempting to prescribe or recommend specific measures which should be employed for the future protection of Presidents, the Commission does believe that there are aspects of the protective measures employed in the motorcade at Dallas which deserve special comment. The presidential vehicle in use in Dallas, described in Chapter 2, had no special design or equipment which would have permitted the Secret Service agent riding in the driver's compartment 
to move into the passenger section without hindrance or delay. Had the vehicle been so designed, it is possible that an agent riding in the front seat could have reached the president in time to protect him from the second and fatal shot to hit the president. However, such access to the president was interfered with both by the metal bar some 15 inches above the back of the front seat and by the passengers in the jump seats. In contrast, the vice presidential vehicle, although not specially designed for that purpose, had no passenger in a jump seat between Agent Youngblood and Vice President Johnson to interfere with Agent Youngblood's ability to take a protective position in the passenger compartment before the third shot was fired. The assassination suggests that it would have been of prime importance in the protection of the president if the presidential car permitted immediate access to the president by a Secret Service agent at the first sign of danger. At that time, the agents on the framing boards of the follow-up car were expected to perform such a function. However, these agents could not reach the president's car when it was traveling at an appreciable rate of speed. Even if the car is traveling more slowly, the delay involved in reaching the president may be crucial. It is clear that, at the time of the shots in Dallas, Agent Clinton J. Hill leaped to the president's rescue as quickly as humanly possible. Even so, analysis of the motion picture films taken by amateur photographer Zapruder reveals that Hill first placed his hand on the presidential car at frame 343, 30 frames, and therefore approximately 1.6 seconds after the president was shot in the head. About 3.7 seconds after the president received this wound, Hill had both feet on the car and was climbing aboard to assist President and Mrs. Kennedy. Planning for Motorcade Contingencies In response to inquiry by the Commission regarding the instructions to agents in a motorcade of emergency procedures to be taken in a contingency such as that which actually occurred, the Secret Service responded, quote, the Secret Service has consistently followed two general principles in emergencies involving the President. All agents are so instructed. The first duty of the agents in the motorcade is to attempt to cover the President as closely as possible and practicable, and to shield him by attempting to place themselves between the President and any source of danger. Secondly, Agents are instructed to remove the president as quickly as possible from known or impending danger. Agents are instructed that it is not their responsibility to investigate or evaluate a present danger, but to consider any untoward circumstances as serious and to afford the president maximum protection at all times. No responsibility rests upon those agents near the president for the identification or arrest of any assassin or an attacker. Their primary responsibility is to stay with and protect the President. Beyond these two principles, the Secret Service believes a detailed contingency or emergency plan is not feasible because the variations possible preclude effective planning. A number of steps are taken, however, to permit appropriate steps to be taken in an emergency. For instance, the lead car always is manned by Secret Service agents familiar with the area and with local law enforcement officials. 
The radio net, in use in motorcades, is elaborate and permits a number of different means of communication with various local points. A doctor is in the motorcade. End quote. This basic approach to the problem of planning for emergencies is sound. Any effort to prepare detailed contingency plans might well have the undesirable effect of inhibiting quick and imaginative responses. If the advanced preparation is thorough and the protective devices and techniques employed are sound, those in command should be able to direct the response appropriate to the emergency. The Commission finds that the Secret Service agents in the motorcade, who were immediately responsible for the President's safety, reacted promptly at the time the shots were fired. Their actions demonstrate that the President and the nation can expect courage and devotion to duty from the agents of the Secret Service. Recommendations The Commission's review of the provisions for presidential protection at the time of President Kennedy's trip to Dallas demonstrates the need for substantial improvements. Since the assassination, the Secret Service and the Department of the Treasury have properly taken the initiative in re-examining major aspects of presidential protection. Many changes have already been made, and others are contemplated, some of them in response to the Commission's questions and informal suggestions. Assassination of Federal Crime There was no federal criminal jurisdiction over the assassination of President Kennedy. Had there been reason to believe that the assassination was the result of a conspiracy, federal jurisdiction could have been asserted. It has long been a federal crime to conspire to injure any federal officer on account of or while he is engaged in the lawful discharge of the duties of his office. Murder of the president has never been covered by federal law, however, so that once it became reasonably clear that the killing was the act of a single person, the state of Texas had exclusive jurisdiction. It is anomalous that Congress has legislated in other ways touching upon the safety of the chief executive or other federal officers without making an attack on the president a crime. Threatening harm to the president is a federal offense, as is advocacy of the overthrow of the government by the assassination of any of its officers. The murder of federal judges U.S. attorneys and marshals, and a number of other specifically designated federal law enforcement officers is a federal crime. Equally anomalous are statutory provisions which specifically authorize the Secret Service to protect the President without authorizing it to arrest anyone who harms him. The same provisions authorize the Service to arrest without warrant persons committing certain offenses, including counterfeiting and certain frauds involving federal checks or securities. The Commission agrees with the Secret Service that it should be authorized to make arrests without warrant for all offenses within its jurisdiction, as are FBI agents and federal marshals. There have been a number of efforts to make assassination a federal crime, particularly after the assassination of President McKinley, and the attempt on the life of President-elect Franklin D. Roosevelt. In 1902, bills passed both houses of Congress, but failed of enactment when the Senate refused to accept the conference report. A number of bills were introduced immediately following the assassination of President Kennedy. The Commission recommends to the Congress that it adopt legislation which would 
punished the murder or manslaughter of, attempt or conspiracy to murder, kidnapping of, and assault upon the president, vice president, or other officer next in the order of succession to the office of president, the president-elect, and the vice president-elect, whether or not the act is committed while the victim is in the performance of his official duties or on account of such performance. Such a statute would cover the president and vice president, or in the absence of a vice president, the person next in order of succession. During the period between election and inauguration, the president-elect and vice president-elect would also be covered. Restricting the coverage in this way would avoid unnecessary controversy over the inclusion or exclusion of other officials who are in the order of succession or who hold important governmental posts. In addition, the restriction would probably eliminate a need for the requirement, which has been urged as necessary for the exercise of federal power, that the hostile act occur while the victim is engaged in or because of the performance of official duties. The governmental consequences of assassination of one of the specified officials give the United States ample power to act for its own protection. The activities of the victim at the time an assassination occurs and the motive for the assassination bear no relationship to the injury to the United States which follows from the act. This point was ably made in the 1902 debate by Senator George F. Hoare, the sponsor of the Senate bill. Quote, what this bill means to punish is the crime of interruption of the government of the United States and the destruction of its security by striking down the life of the person who is actually in the exercise of the executive power or of such persons as have been constitutionally and lawfully provided to succeed thereto in case of a vacancy. It is important to this country that the interruption shall not take place for an hour. End quote. Enactment of this statute would mean that the investigation of any of the acts covered and of the possibility of a further attempt would be conducted by federal law enforcement officials, in particular, the FBI with the assistance of the Secret Service. At present, federal agencies participate only upon the sufferance of the local authorities. While the police work of the Dallas authorities in the early identification and apprehension of Oswald was both efficient and prompt, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, who strongly supports such legislation, testified that the absence of clear federal jurisdiction over the assassination of President Kennedy led to embarrassment and confusion in the subsequent investigation by federal and local authorities. In addition, the proposed legislation will ensure that any suspects who are arrested will be federal prisoners subject to federal protection from vigilante justice and other threats. Committee of Cabinet Officers As our government has become more complex, agencies other than the Secret Service have become involved in phases of the overall problem of protecting our national leaders. The FBI is the major domestic investigating agency of the United States, while the CIA has the primary responsibility for collecting intelligence overseas to supplement information acquired by the Department of State. The Secret Service must rely in large part upon the investigating capacity and experience 
of these and other agencies for much of its information regarding possible dangers to the President. The Commission believes that it is necessary to improve the cooperation among these agencies and to emphasize that the task of presidential protection is one of broad national concern. The Commission suggests that consideration might be given to assigning to a cabinet-level committee or the National Security Council, which is responsible for advising the President respecting the coordination of departmental policies relating to the national security, the responsibility to review and oversee the protective activities of the Secret Service and the other federal agencies that assist in safeguarding the President. The committee should include the Secretary of the Treasury and the Attorney General and, if the Council is used, arrangements should be made for the attendance of the Secretary of the Treasury and the Attorney General at any meetings which are concerned with presidential protection. The Council already includes, in addition to the President and Vice President, the Secretaries of State and Defense and has a competent staff. The foremost assignment of the committee would be to ensure that the maximum resources of the federal government are fully engaged in the job of protecting the president by defining responsibilities clearly and overseeing their execution. Major needs of personnel or other resources might be met more easily on its recommendation than they have been in the past. The committee would be able to provide guidance in defining the general nature of domestic and foreign dangers to presidential security. As improvements are recommended for the advanced detection of potential threats to the President, it could act as a final review board. The expert assistance and resources which it could draw upon would be particularly desirable in this complex and sensitive area. This arrangement would provide a continuing high-level contact for agencies that may wish to consult respecting particular protective measures. For various reasons, the Secret Service has functioned largely as an informal part of the White House staff, with the result that it has been unable as a practical matter to exercise sufficient influence over the security precautions which surround presidential activities. A cabinet-level committee which is actively concerned with these problems would be able to discuss these matters more effectively with the President. Responsibilities for Presidential Protection The assignment of the responsibility of protecting the President to an agency of the Department of the Treasury was largely an historical accident. The Secret Service was organized as a division of the Department of the Treasury in 1865 to deal with counterfeiting. In 1894, while investigating a plot to assassinate President Cleveland, the service assigned a small protective detail of agents to the White House. Secret Service men accompanied the President and his family to their vacation home in Massachusetts, and special details protected him in Washington, on trips, and at special functions. These informal and part-time arrangements led to more systematic protection in 1902, after the assassination of President McKinley. The Secret Service then the only federal investigative agency, assumed full-time responsibility for the safety of the President. Since that time, the Secret Service has had and exercised responsibility for the physical protection of the President and also for the preventive investigation of potential threats against the President. 
Although the Secret Service has had the primary responsibility for the protection of the President, the FBI, which was established within the Department of Justice in 1908, has had in recent years an increasingly important role to play. In the appropriations of the FBI, there has recurred annually an item for the, quote, protection of the person of the President of the United States, end quote, which first appeared in the appropriation of the Department of Justice in 1910 under the heading, quote, miscellaneous objects, end quote. Although the FBI is not charged with the physical protection of the President, it does have an assignment, as do other government agencies, in the field of preventive investigation in regard to the President's security. As discussed above, the Bureau has attempted to meet its responsibilities in this field by spelling out in its handbook the procedures which its agents are to follow in connection with information received, quote, indicating the possibility of an attempt against the person or safety of the President, end quote, or other protected persons. With two federal agencies operating in the same general field of preventive investigation, questions inevitably arise as to the scope of each agency's authority and responsibility. As the testimony of J. Edgar Hoover and other Bureau officials revealed, the FBI did not believe that its directive required the Bureau to notify the Secret Service of the substantial information about Lee Harvey Oswald which the FBI had accumulated before the President reached Dallas. On the other hand, the Secret Service had no knowledge whatever of Oswald, his background, or his employment at the Book Depository. And Robert I. Book, who was in charge of the protective research section of the Secret Service, believed that the accumulation of the facts known to the FBI should have constituted a sufficient basis to warn the Secret Service of the Oswald risk. The Commission believes that both the FBI and the Secret Service have too narrowly construed their respective responsibilities. The Commission has the impression that too much emphasis is placed by both on the investigation of specific threats by individuals and not enough on dangers from other sources. In addition, the Commission has concluded that the Secret Service particularly tends to be the passive recipient of information regarding such threats and that its protective research section is not adequately staffed or equipped to conduct the wider investigative work that is required today for the security of the President. During the period the Commission was giving thought to this situation, the Commission received a number of proposals designed to improve current arrangements for protecting the President. These proposals included suggestions to locate exclusive responsibility for all phases of the work in one or another government agency, to clarify the division of authority between the agencies involved, and to retain the existing system but expand both the scope and the operations of the existing agencies, particularly those of the Secret Service and the FBI. It has been pointed out that the FBI, as our chief investigative agency, is properly manned and equipped to carry on extensive information-gathering functions within the United States. It was also suggested that it would take a substantial period of time for the Secret Service to build up the experience and skills necessary to meet the problem. Consequently, the suggestion has been made, on the one hand, 
that all preventive investigative functions relating to the security of the president should be transferred to the FBI, leaving with the Secret Service only the responsibility for the physical protection of the president, that is, the guarding function alone. On the other hand, it is urged that all features of the protection of the president and his family should be committed to an elite and independent corps. It is also contended that the agents should be intimately associated with the life of the presidential family in all its ramifications and alert to every danger that might befall it and ready at any instant to hazard great danger to themselves in the performance of their tremendous responsibility. It is suggested that an organization shorn of its power to investigate all the possibilities of danger to the president and becoming merely the recipient of information gathered by others would become limited solely to acts of physical alertness and personal courage incident to its responsibilities. So circumscribed, it could not maintain the esprit de corps or the necessary alertness for this unique and challenging responsibility. While in accordance with its mandate, this commission has necessarily examined into the functioning of the various federal agencies concerned with the tragic trip of President Kennedy to Dallas, and while it has arrived at certain conclusions in respect thereto, it seems clear that it was not within the Commission's responsibility to make specific recommendations as to the long-range organization of the President's protection, except as conclusions flowing directly from its examination of the President's assassination can be drawn. The Commission was not asked to apply itself, as did the Hoover Commission in 1949, for examples to a determination of the optimum organization of the President's protection. It would have been necessary for the Commission to take considerable testimony, much of it extraneous to the facts of the assassination of President Kennedy, to put it in a position to reach final conclusions in this respect. There are always dangers of divided responsibility, duplication, and confusion of authority where more than one agency is operating in the same field. But on the other hand, the protection of the President is in a real sense a government-wide responsibility, which must necessarily be assumed by the Department of State, the FBI, the CIA, and the military intelligence agencies as well as the Secret Service. Moreover, a number of imponderable questions have to be weighed if any change in the intimate association now established between the Secret Service and the President and his family is contemplated. These considerations have induced the Commission to believe that the determination of whether or not there should be a relocation of responsibilities and functions should be left to the Executive and the Congress. Perhaps upon recommendations based on further studies by the Cabinet-level committee recommended above or the National Security Council. Pending any such determination, however, this Commission is convinced of the necessity of better coordination and direction of the activities of all existing agencies of government which are in a position to and do furnish information and services related to the security of the President. The Commission feels the Secret Service and the FBI, as well as the State Department and the CIA when the President travels abroad, could improve their existing capacities and procedures so as to lessen the chances of assassination. 
Without, therefore, coming to final conclusions respecting the long-range organization of the President's security, the Commission believes that the facts of the assassination of President Kennedy point to certain measures which, while assuming no radical relocation of responsibilities, can and should be recommended by this Commission in the interest of the more efficient protection of the President. These recommendations are reviewed below. End of section 48. Recording by Linda Johnson.